Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Hey, everybody! Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you're with us. Let's say hello to our online family and our physical locations. God bless you. Uh, Today's a very special day, week two of our mini-series, Fam, I Love You. And a lot of folks are going to get adopted today, be a part of our church family. Uh, Really exciting. Before I kind of do my part, uh, I'm going to turn it over to your location pastors, but I just want to remind you and bring your attention to these Here to Stay invites on your seats. If you're at a physical location. Guys, grab these. This is next week. It's our eight-year anniversary, okay? This is the most important anniversary we've ever had. This kicks off six weeks of the most important, pivotal, pivotal, and pivotable, all the things, moments in the history of our church. What is coming is unbelievable. I need everybody to be a part of it. I need you to do everything you possibly can to be here, to invite, and to commit yourself for as many of these six weeks as you can. Everything's about to change. And for us to be here to say that's what it's going to take. I cannot wait for next week. All right? All right, well, listen, I got a few minutes. I want to share a couple things and going to confess something to you. Um, I let my son, who's four, uh, five, excuse me, five, I let him watch Top Gun. And uh, I have no shame about that. And, uh, and guess what? He loved it. And it was pretty clean. I think it was the best movie of all time, honestly. And, uh, but uh, after we were watching the movie, um, we were at the beach and he runs, uh, he wanted to play football because there's like a football scene in the movie. And then he runs into the water, which is freezing. And he goes, I was born for this. I'm like, I don't even know if that line was in the movie, but like, I don't know where that came from, but it was just so hilarious. And then I was walking in the freezing water going, not born for this. And uh, it's so amazing being a parent. It's amazing having sons and daughters because it does teach you something about your relationship with God. First of all, how does a four-year-old at the time, he's now five, have so much confidence He's just going to run into the water and go, I was born for this. Well, every night, I've shared this in previous sermons, but every night I declare 2 Timothy 1.7 over him, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. In other words, I always tell them, son, you're strong, you're loved, you got a sound mind. I'm speaking that into him. I want to say to you today, that all of us need our Father's affirmation. And we need that to truly know who we are. If we don't receive it, okay, this is where we get confused. It's why earthly fathers are so important, but even void of earthly fathers, as long as we have the relationship and the connection with our Heavenly Father, we can get clarity about our identity and where we should go. When we don't know who we are as sons and daughters, there are consequences. We may allow a spirit of politics to guide our spirituality. 
We might let culture inform our thinking. We may get confused about our sexuality. We might make an idol about church even before God. We might follow people instead of Jesus. I could go on and on and on, but without fathers and without the voice and affirmation of your father, how would you know that you can have a sound mind, that you can be strong and that you are loved? And if you've never heard that before, I want you to know something. You are loved. You are so loved by God. He loves you. It's why he sent Jesus to forgive your sin and reconcile you back to your father so that you could have communion and hear the affirmation that he loves you. If you know who you are, you'll know where to go. The father deeply loves you. I want you to walk confident that you are strong, loved, and have a sound mind. And I want to read Romans 8 over you, Romans 8, 10. Bible says, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living in you. In other words, because of the resurrection, because Jesus came and died, the same spirit, the power of Christ, excuse me, the power of the Holy Spirit that raises Christ from the dead, that is now promised to you who receive him as father and receive Jesus as Lord. We are given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit informs, reveals, and enables us to be sons and daughters. Here's what this means. Here's what this means. Firstly, you and I, we resemble the Father. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us. There is good works within us because we are his masterpiece woven together in the womb, woven together, made, knit together. We resemble the father. Be confident. You are beautiful. You're a masterpiece. You're received. You're not ugly. You are loved. Jesus on the cross, this beautiful exchange, he died so you wouldn't have to. The next thing that the Holy Spirit enables us to have and to know is that you have access to the Father. You have as much of God as you want of him. Think of the 10 lepers. Think of the woman who touches the hem of Jesus' robe. Think of Jesus teaching us how to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. You have access to the Father. Approach him. The Bible tells us that we can boldly, somebody say that, boldly, boldly approach the throne of grace. Not only do you were you made in his image, you have access to the Father. And the last thing I want to say is that you have an inheritance from the father. You're a son and daughter. You're an adopted son and daughter if you want to be. You have the Holy Spirit and all his gifts. You have a future and a purpose if you don't know it yet. As I I close my my short introduction, because again, our location pastors are going to take it and walk you through what it means. I'm telling you what it means to be a son and daughter. They're going to tell you how to be adopted in the family. But uh, my family was really never part of a church before we were. Uh, We were a part of a church that was started and planted in Florida. We were nominal Catholics. We went to Catholic church Christmas and Easter. 
Uh, we had no idea what family meant. My parents, my family, we come from very broken, confused, addicted, hurting families. And I want to say to you that Jesus, via the local church, saved our life, gave us purpose. We moved from Philadelphia to Orlando based on a, a premise of starting a business. My family was broken. I can honestly and confidently tell you that without Jesus intervening, without people discipling us, I don't think my folks would be married. I don't think that I would be sane. I think I'd be addicted or dead somewhere. There were these three women that when we started going to this Christian church, uh, I, I, we went there one time because my parents were looking for a Christian school, for, uh, really a Catholic school for me to go to, but they didn't know the difference between a Catholic school and a Christian school. So I ended up at this Christian school. It was a small old school. They would send letters in the mail home inviting. We went, and there's a longer story to it, but ultimately there was a kid's ministry that my parents could drop me off at. And they thought two hours by themselves was the greatest gift that God could give someone. And it was in those services that my mom and my dad began to be transformed in a church service, just like the one you're sitting in. And there were these three women that began to disciple my mom and my mom's life began to transform. My dad's life began to transform. And I want to tell you that besides receiving Jesus and getting married, choosing a local church, making it home is the most important decision you could ever make in your life. I wouldn't take a job in a city if I didn't already circle the church I'd be going to. That's how serious I am about this. We take the church for granted and we take it lightly and it is the life-giving center of mission, of the growth, of parenting, of health. And I'm gonna tell you something right now. I love the church because it's where I learned that the world doesn't revolve around me. I was given confidence that anything is possible. It saved my family and it saved my life. I learned music. I learned how to be a real friend. I learned and saw the world. I went on missions trips. I met my best friend, the Holy Spirit, who helps me in all things, gives me wisdom, ideas, strength, creativity, intelligence beyond my degree. I made the very best friends that life could ever offer me. I met my wife. We had a family. I have kids because of the local church. I know what a miracle looks like. I'm not alone. I live in adventure. Come on, somebody. I know the truth and I know what is a lie. I've been given way more than I should have. I know how to battle and I know I'm not battling by myself. I know I can always come home to church no matter what and no matter where I've been. I know I can always come home to family and friends. I know God. I'm loved by people. I'm imperfect and that's okay. I'm imperfect and I'm the lead pastor here. And guess what? It's okay. I can be honest. I find healing within community like the Bible promises me. I get to witness and be a part of life change firsthand. I get to change the world. I get to know the most amazing people on the planet. I get to love the most difficult people. And I get, get to give back to others who need it and want it. I reiterate, I cannot and do not want to imagine my life without being firmly planted in one local church. And today, many of you have that opportunity and many need to be reminded of why it's important. So at every location, I'm going to turn it over to your location pastors. If you're online, we're going to go live to our Northeast location. Pastor Matt will take it away. Okay, location pastors, God bless you, church. I love you.
take it away. Well, what's up, everybody? So glad you're here with us here in the Northeast. And for those of you watching us online, as Pastor Joey said, my name is Matt. I'm your location pastor here in the Northeast. And if you are a guest with us, Pastor Joey typically preaches live out of this location and we broadcast to our others as well as our online community. And he'll be back preaching live next week for our eight-year anniversary. You wanna make sure you are here for that. Now, uh, as he said, I'm gonna talk more about adoption. What does it mean to be adopted? adopted at the Block Church and, and into God's family right here at the Block Church. And to do so, I want to go into what does it mean to be adopted? So let's go to the dictionary. How does the dictionary describe adoption? It means to take by choice into relationship, especially to take voluntarily a child of other parents as one's own child and to accept formally. Let's also look at what the Bible says. How does scripture define adoption? Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And then finally, let's go to the most scholarly source to define adoption. Let's go to Urban Dictionary. <laughs> it describes it as a group of people usually of the same blood, but do not have to be, who genuinely love, trust, care about, and look after one another. Not to be mistaken with relatives sharing the same household who hate each other. Real family is a bond that cannot be broken by any means. Look at that really poignant definition by Urban Dictionary, right? Threw me off too. But I love that. All these different definitions and understanding of what adoption means. And, and from that, I really want to take us to walk away with three key takeaways. The first takeaway from this is that we need to understand that God chose to adopt us. God chose to adopt us. And that's freeing for somebody because you need to know that he was not backed into a corner to adopt you. He was not coerced or forced. He did not have to, but rather the creator of heaven and earth loved us so much that he chose to adopt us into his family amidst all of our issues, despite our baggage, despite all of our stuff that we come with. Our heavenly father is intimately aware of every aspect of us. And yet in spite of all of that, he chose to adopt us into his family and to be in covenant relationship with you. He is a parent. We are the child. Our salvation and baptism is a formal moment of adoption into the kingdom of God. This is freeing. He chose to bring us in. And why? That's how much value we have in his sight. And not because of anything that we've done, but because of who he is and because of his love for us, he chose to bring us in. The second takeaway I want us to think about is that God has a responsibility and so does God-centered community. Because God chose to adopt us, he promises that we will be his children. If he has in fact adopted us as family, well then he has responsibility to provide, to be there for us and to be present. And if we are a part of that family, we then carry that same responsibility to be there for one another. Romans 8.15 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, 
Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Here's why this is mind-blowing to me. Because a lot of times I tend to get into this mindset that I have to somehow earn God's approval and earn his sonship. But the truth is, is it doesn't say that we were made employees of the kingdom of God. We don't work for God in order to get some spiritual paycheck of affirmation and approval. Otherwise, we're gonna be fired and condemned. That's not how that works at all. But rather, he brought us in as family, as an inherit, as those that are going to inherit the kingdom of God. And so he chooses to be there for us and to love us regardless of who we are. When we put our faith in Jesus and we become a part of his family, he is faithful to be there and to be present in every circumstance, in every situation, even when we screw up, even when we make errors, our heavenly father is present and here to love us through that. And now as his children, we carry that same responsibility to be there for one another. What's crazy about God's love is, is described beautifully in Psalms 139. I'm gonna read it to you. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I run away from where you are? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the place among the dead, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning or live in the farthest part of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will hold me. For if I say, for sure, the darkness will cover me and the light, oops, I lost my spot. Let me go back to it. For sure the darkness will cover me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you for you made the parts inside me. You put me together inside my mother. What's significant about this that I want us to understand is some of us have deluded ourselves into thinking that we're somehow more powerful than God's love and that if we do enough bad things or wander away far enough, that it undoes the love that he gave us freely. But thankfully, we serve a God that's bigger than our imperfection. He's bigger than the mistakes that we make. And if you're here today and you're going, there's no way that God can use someone like me, you are wrong. There is hope for you today. Our Heavenly Father, loves you right as you are, not to stay where you are, because he wants to pull you through that. He designed you for so much better, so much more than our sinful ways, so much more than the world's ways. But we need to believe and acknowledge that it's him who redeems us, not us that redeems ourselves. Because if we believe that it's our actions that redeem us, then we're saying that we're God. We're saying that we are the means to our salvation. We're the means to our redemption. But I don't know about you, but there's no amount of good things I can do that undoes the bad things that I've already done. If I shoot somebody today, I can give all my money to charity the next day, but I'm still going to jail for shooting somebody. How amazing is it that as God that makes us brand new, takes all the punishment that we deserve and freely gives his love to us. And he promises and has the responsibility as our father to be there for his adopted sons and daughters in the best moments and in the worst moments as well. But here's what I want you to know, is that the same is true of this church family. Because when you commit to being a part of this family, you are saying we are committing to be there with one another in the good moments 
and in the bad moments. It means we are going to know one another and not settle for breaking relationship because of petty arguments or disputes. This means choosing relationship over uh, position. It means choosing to love one another despite disagreements and understanding that if you are my brother or you are my sister, even if we don't get along, you're still my brother or my sister. And now I am compelled to build a bridge and I'm compelled to help work out whatever that problem is. We can describe this responsibility as a community like this in three W's because I'm a pastor. We keep things organized by that first letter. The first thing that we wanna do is we wanna watch out for your soul. Watch out for each other's soul. What does that mean? That means accountability. That means allowing others into your life to see you as you are. But at the same time, putting yourself out there to get to know somebody else. How can you be there for somebody else if you don't know what burdens they carry? How can you help have somebody's back if you don't know what attacks they're prone to? How can others have your back if they don't know what you struggle through? This is what we have to do. We have to be there for each other to help watch out for each other's soul. This is the responsibility of the community. That's why when you come to the block church, we want to get to know you. That's why. It's not just, we're not a grocery store where you come get what you need and then leave. This is a community where we are together and we are known because we want to have each other's back because there's a real enemy that wants to take you out. He wants to isolate you. Our flesh wants to be going towards sinful things, but that's the beauty of a church of imperfect people having each other's back so we're with each other in the best moments and the worst. So we watch out for each other's soul. Next, we walk with each other in the highs and in the lows. That means I weep when you weep. That means I cheer when you cheer. And again, to do that, that implies I need to know you. That means we need to know each other. Yeah, I wanna celebrate with you when you have a victory. When you overcome something, I wanna be beside you going, look at that, praise God. And if you have a family member that you lose, I'm weeping with you. If you have a burden that you're carrying, I wanna know because I wanna cry alongside you. I wanna encourage you and hold your arms up. And one of the most beautiful things for me as I've been a part of the local church is that in all these dark seasons that I've walked through in my life, that I've had people who had my best interest in mind behind me encouraging, supporting, speaking life, not enabling me, but loving me through every season. But on the other side, it's been so humbling to have people come into my home and share and be transparent and vulnerable about what they're going through, to get to pray with them, to walk alongside them, to cheer them on, but then to see God's faithfulness in their life. My faith grows. My joy grows when I can see firsthand, wow, God, I got to be at the early stages of this person's life in this crisis and get to watch how you fulfill, how you redeem, how you restore. How incredible is that? Especially when we acknowledge that God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us, but he loves us so much. He invites us to be a part of the process. And to do that, we have to know one another. So we weep with each other. We celebrate with one another. The third W is we work out differences together. This is race, politics, all the things. We are very different, earthly speaking, 
but we need to understand that all of us were created in God's image. So just because a bird, a community has a burden that I don't carry, it's my job to reach out and learn so I can help carry that burden with them. If just because we're different and we have different struggles or different things does not mean we are exempt from caring for one another. That also means that when disruptions happen, when disagreements happen, you choose to fight for the relationship, not for the position. That means you fight to understand one another. That means listening before speaking and disagreeing. It means seeking to understand what burdens the heart. Just because you disagree with the solution doesn't nullify that the problem may be very real. So we have to choose to embrace conflict and loving one another through it. The final takeaway that I want us to have is really from looking at what does what is the responsibility of a family member in God's family? And we see this fleshed out so well in Acts chapter two. This is describing the early church and it's such a beautiful model for what godly community and family looks like. It says this, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They sold, yeah, they worshiped together in the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So what is our responsibility as a family member? When we look at this model, we see that the first thing is, is that they attend. And what I'm describing right now is how we describe what it means to be adopted at the block church. We get from this example. If you're saying, I wanna be adopted, you're committing to these four things that we see. And like I said, the first one is attend. They were in regular community together, worshiping together, not just independently, but together worshiping. That's why you gotta attend more than you miss. We know life happens. We know you're gonna be traveling. That's great. But making it the practice and the normal part of their life to attend together with regularity. The second thing is to be served. Each day, the Lord added to their number daily. Later in Acts, the apostles actually released the work of the ministry to the people of the church. So the people together worked together to meet the needs and the mission of the church. You see, God's created each and every one of us uniquely. He's given us giftings. He's given us uh, uh, special abilities. And so our hope is that you would help find your place in the kingdom of God, serving not for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. They worked selflessly with each other and they were there to meet needs as they existed. This is why serving teams exist because we don't want church to just be a place you go to, but a thing you're a part of, a community you can be a part of and be a part of the investment of what's happening in our community. The third thing is connect. They met in each other's homes. They had meals together. They were together on the regular. They knew what was happening in each other's lives. The way you can do this here is through block groups. Sign up for a group. They are currently in a group semester. Get into community. Having people in your lives know each other's kids, know what's going on in each other's lives, have meals together, laugh together, do life together. We're meant to do life together. Even if you're an introvert, you still need community. God's designed all of us to be in community. The final thing is give. They shared everything they had. They sold their possessions and they gave generously. 
Why? Because they didn't have the love of money. Because it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. But money is actually an incredible tool for the kingdom. When used wisely, money is used to impact life change. Because to do church, to do mission, to do these things requires resource. It requires resource. And when we do this together, we can meet needs that we can never do individually. This is how we're paying for people's bills when they're in crisis. This is how we're buying groceries. This is how we're investing in our community through events like Surf Saturday and sowing into other nonprofits and church plants all around the world. That's how we're able to keep the lights on and able to have a place where we can worship freely together each and every weekend. It's through us giving generously and living in a life of generosity that every need can be met and we can continue to share the gospel to every corner of our city and beyond. Being adopted in the family is accepting your role as a family member and committing to attend more than you miss, to serve like Jesus, to connect and to give generously. That's what being adopted at the block church looks like. And as we take this from this model, we need to see too, the church at this time was not functioning in a utopia society. In fact, the church in Acts was often venueless and were facing significant persecution. They were facing arrest, imprisonment, and later even torture. And yet they were able to persevere through every city because they were committed to do it together. They sacrificed for one another. It wasn't about the individual. It was about each other and sharing the gospel and the hope of the world to everyone who came. And then it was God who provided and did tremendous works through people, but it was their model and mindset of others-mindedness, of caring for the community, for caring for one another, and being selfless. That is where God did incredible things and it continues to do incredible things because the church is the vehicle that God uses to bring Jesus to humanity. How incredible is it that God didn't just save us he didn't just bail us out from our sin, but he invites us to be a part of the solution and how God is redeeming our city and redeeming our world. And so I wanna ask you, will you join me in digging your feet in to Philadelphia and being a part of the solution, being a part of this family where we help bring the best out of one another and we help see the gospel shared, hope given, chains broken, addictions broken, marriages healed, people healed, freedom given to the captive. We can do that through Christ together as one. So let's do this. Let's revive every block. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.